0: Was that on the mic? Yeah.
2: Oh, excellent. That's why I I put the mic down. (laughs) Well, then you looked at me and I was like,
0: okay, I guess we're on. We're on. (laughs) Padres Hot Tub is brought to you by Hop Valley Brewing Company, who helped create that sound effect right there. The sound of a Hop Valley mango and stash being opened up, cryo hops being exposed to the palate one more time. What are your thoughts, John Gennaro?
2: I'm so mad because as we've been drinking through this beer that Hop Valley delivered to us, I keep like coming up with new favorites. Like at first I was like, oh, the, the bubble stash. It's so, it's so amazing. And then we had the, what was it, permanent vacation? Was yeah. that what it was called? And then we had the permanent vacation. I was like, oh, this is my new favorite. This is incredible. And then the other day I opened my, my second package with the mystery flavor and the mystery flavor was the pineapple. Yeah. And I was like, you know. The last time they were a sponsor of this podcast, I really fell in love with the pineapple one. And so I cracked open the pineapple one. I took a sip. I was like, son of a bitch. This is even better than the bubble stash. It's even better than the permanent vacation. They just keep getting better
0: and better. It's it's such a delicious and easy drinking IPA. That's the whole thing. It's an IPA, but it's got the easy drinking quality that you would expect uh, from those cheaper beers. You know those ones that you go, oh well, I settled for that because I just chose to drink tonight, not to drink well. Yeah, you can accomplish it all with Hop Valley Brewing Company. You know, six percent, six point eight percent IPAs with IB. uh,
2: The what is it? IBU. IBU. So this one, the Mango and Stash, is six point zero percent alcohol by volume. 30 IBU. which Ridiculous. Is, it's like drinking a lager, except it tastes like an, a delicious IPA with mango in there. Yeah, love, most love uh,
0: IPAs would be what? 65, 75, 80, 85. Yeah. Like I think the low, low
2: end of that is usually 60.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and Hop Valley, will uh, 20. The vacation one was 20. That's right. Smooth, so good. I had one of those uh, yesterday. Oh, As a matter of so fact, when I got home from the soccer's match, talking about my bad eating habits, uh, like I did on Banter. I had, right. a, I had a burger uh, after the game, and I had myself a delicious Hop Valley. Fantastic. Which was probably the best decision that I made. The best decision you could make is going to your local grocery store and picking up one of those great 12-packs of Hop Valley. You could find it pretty much on You can find it at Costco, right? You can find it at Albertsons. Are they at Costco now? I know uh, they said maybe they were not. going to. I'm not sure. I haven't checked the beer
2: at Costco lately. Uh, yeah. Albertsons, um, the smart and final by me has it. I think, BevMo. The, I think the Vons by me might have it. Bevmo definitely has it. Yeah. They're, they're all over
0: the place. Go to hopvalleybrewing.com. That's where you can use their beer finder and find the place nearest you. Welcome to the Padres Hot Tub, everybody. Season preview edition. Here we go. It is a Monday night in the spring studio. And come Thursday, Major League Baseball will be played for real. Lockout gone. Abbreviated spring training. Amazingly almost done. Feels like it should be halfway through. (laughs) And it's done. Time to play a season now. Unbelievable. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, this is uh this
2: is the first week that I've been able to like actually sit down and watch some spring training games. And it's very obvious that these guys understand that there's like a crunch of time because you can see everyone trying
0: to get game ready as fast as they possibly can. So, today on The Hot Tub, you know, our last two episodes for you. We did our annual Let's do the best case scenario and our annual worst-case scenario podcast or optimistic-pessimistic podcast, however you want to label it. Today, we dig in for the other thing we do each year, which is we come up with some kind of number. Um, Now, I'll put right off the top as a disclaimer, certainly for myself, but on behalf of my uh, querido amigo, John, as well, that these predictions are based on the roster as of today, April 4th, 2022 and if the roster changes on april 6th or april 7th then these predictions hold no water. Correct. They should or they should be adjusted accordingly on a future podcast. Right. You yeah. know, uh but it's it's right now it's state of the Padres heading into the season 4 days before the opener. Where are we? We've got we've we've sussed out scenarios and we'll we'll come to Uh, each of our individual conclusions by the end of the podcast. But first, we have news, big news, huge news. We have a trade, and we have a not trade that dominated baseball news for a full day uh, across the country because it involved New York. So let's start with the trade that was, the trade that popped yesterday in classic A.J. Preller fashion. Early in the morning, out of nowhere, feels like it was decided at Denny's at 3.50 in the morning. But Sean Mania is the latest excellent Oakland A to leave, to escape Oakland, as Oakland is trying as a franchise to escape Oakland and go to Las Vegas by shedding every good player off of their team as quickly as possible. The Padres, I feel like, stumbled into a honeypot. Like, they just wind up with a really good pitcher out of nowhere for this year.
2: Yeah, I feel like I said something about this in the Discord, but there was some questions by Padre fans after the Padres got Sean Mania of, like, hey, there's a lot of teams out there that would have been very interested in this guy. Why didn't any of them end up getting him? Like... The Mets, who we'll talk about in a minute, seem desperate for another starting pitcher. The St. Louis Cardinals are probably desperate for another starting pitcher. Like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, all of these teams are always looking for another starting pitcher. He's really good. He's one year away from free agency. It didn't seem like the asking price was real high. Why didn't any of them get him? And my, my answer to that and my speculation in response to that was, I feel like this was like Bob Melvin greasing the skids and going like, hey, really like Mania on my team. And he's like, he's literally placing the call to his guys over in Oakland going, hey, I'm I'm going to put you in touch with the Preller guy over here, but I'd really like Mania. Like, do you guys have a problem with that? Is that, and they're like, no, as a matter of fact, we are trying to clear some salary anyway. So if you guys will eat the salary, they're probably like, but aren't you close to the luxury tax? And he's like, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the luxury <laughs> tax. We will eat the salary. We'll give you back some prospect who makes nothing in the minors. Uh, you know, some some kid who can throw hard or whatever. Uh, but just make sure we have this guy. And then in the first, like, I don't even know if it was a press conference because it's spring training, everything's so informal. Bob Melvin basically said Sean Minaya was one of the best clubhouse guys he's ever been around. And he's like, he's a culture setter. He, you know... He helps guys when they're down. He helps keep guys cool when they're too high up. He's he's exactly the type of guy you want in your team, the 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 consummate teammate, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe Bob Melvin did like look around his team and go, you know who we need? You know who really kept things, kept the trains running on time in Oakland? My guy, Sean Manaya
0: Yeah. So Sean Manaya is coming off in almost every way his best season. Yep. Um, He was healthy the entire season, which has not been always the case in his career. So put a pin in that, okay, because the Padres did acquire, and it should be said, a player who has not always made it through every season. Right. But last year, he made it through the whole season. He led the American League with 32 starts. He had two complete game shutouts, which led the American League. And he pitched 179 and a third innings, which I think would have been similar to Joe Musgrove for the best um, innings total. Yeah. uh, Were he a San Diego Padre. So he's a guy that, you know, in today's game, that's an inning eater. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Used, used, used to be innings. used
2: to be every guy would get to two hitting two two hundred innings, you know, walking yeah. in the door. Now, yeah. Hundred and
0: seventy-five plus innings either. I saw some analysis of Sean Maniah which said that he started throwing his sinker harder last year. Mm-hmm. Uh and he has a lot more success with sinkers that are thrown over 92 miles an hour than those that are thrown under 92 miles an hour. Uh, but he used to be a very more classical sinker baller. And for example, in 2018, where he had really, you know, pretty good numbers, a 359 ERA and 27 starts, a twelve and nine record, uh, 160 innings, 141 hits. He only struck out 108 batters in, in 160 innings. So, I mean, really just dialing up ground balls, uh, and, and not striking out people very much at all, just six strikeouts per inning. Last year, nine point seven strikeouts. Per inning, 194 strikeouts in 179 innings. So tweaked his repertoire, stayed healthy, throwing harder. Uh, you know, had a, a FIP of 3.66, which is outstanding, and for any full season, is is his best of his career. But it's not unusual because other full seasons: 408, 410, 426. You know, right there.
2: Yeah, it. He took he took a step up. But not an outlandish step up. It's yeah. not one that that you know you we'd be shocked to see him repeat. Um, I wrote about this trade on Bandwagon Beach and said that Sean Maniah was actually my favorite non-Padres pitcher to watch last year. I've I watched like six or seven of his starts, uh, both against the Padres and then a few others that were not against the Padres. And I just really I thought he had really good stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got a really cool you know, kind of fired up demeanor on the mound, especially when he's pitching when guys on base. Um, he just seems like a good guy, like a, a fun guy to root for, right? And so I and last year I I think I was there with you and uh the Oakland was wearing like their green uniforms yeah. and the Padres had their white pinstripes. And I was like, this is the best uniform matchup in baseball. And Shaw I was pitching against the Padres. And I'm like, and this is the pitcher I want to see against this team. So I'm obviously thrilled with them Adding Shamania, especially they gave up next to nothing to get him.
0: They really did. It, in fact, when I was looking at Dan Symborski, uh, who did a r- nice write up, uh, you know, and he's not writing, he's writing for fangraphs. Yeah, he's not writing for the Padres. Right, in any way. Uh, really, his takeaway at the end of the article was like, the Mets could have really used him. Right. The, the Dodgers could have used yeah. him. Why didn't someone offer more? Because what the Padres gave up, they've got better prospects at each of these positions. This is why I felt like it was
2: Bob Melvin placing a call. Go, hey, hey guys, I, I know you don't really care if Mania is on the team this year, but I'd, I'd really like him down here in San Diego, and, and we'll fit the bill. I don't
0: know how it worked. I don't know how it worked out that we got Bob Melvin. So yeah. I don't know if AJ Preller played a late night poker game with. It just feels like there's a there's a bat phone <laughs> Billy
1: some, Bean
2: somewhere in the Oakland A's offices that like when Preller picks up his line that one rings and someone yeah. picked
0: AJ. What do you got? They played a horse game for everything, <laughs> for their for their baseball souls <laughs> and. <laughs> Billy Bean lost, and now he, you have to give me Melvin. Okay, double or nothing. All right, Manaya. What's two. funny
2: is like there have been I feel like an odd amount of trades between the Oakland A's front office and the Padres front office since Preller got here. Um, we traded for Jerks and Profar. Yeah. Uh, we traded for Drew Pomeranz the first time.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. That was right. Preller, right? For like 2016. Moncho, right. Yeah. Before that, we traded for Derek Norris,
2: right? Yes, which was also it was part of the 2015 thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like there's a Preller has his guys. He's got his guys. That's one of his guys. Oakland is a yeah. front office. He likes to work. Yeah, I mean, KT... that will work with him. Yeah, KT used to love working with the Yankees. Right? There was yeah. the Padres and the Yankees were always on the phone together. Yeah, and I feel like the A's and the Padres are kind of like
0: the the Preller version of that. Well, on one level, I mean, look. I have nothing. This is a positive addition for the San Diego Padres. Of course. This is huge. Yeah. It's, it's a really big addition for the club. Uh, I think that Sean Manaya in some now Sean Manaya is only here for a year. He's a free agent. So yep. decision time coming quickly. And if the season for some reason didn't go right, trading Sean Manaya later, something that could happen. I'm not saying it will. We're, I'm not trying to pre, uh, you know, darken my prediction for later. But just saying, he's a he's a he's a rental. He's a hired gun. You didn't really give up a lot to get him. He'll pitch in his age thirty season for San Diego here, coming off a career high uh, in innings by eighteen. And I and if he stays healthy, he's a really rock solid addition to the San Diego Padres. When people talk about his off field stuff, like you say, clubhouse chemistry, tone setting, all of that. Even better. Bob Melvin would know better than anyone else. So this seems like an absolute steal. My only reservation at all is that he can't play left field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: we'll get to that. We'll talk about the outfield problem later. But, like, on paper, this is now two trades in the last week, week plus, for A.J. Preller that are, like, undeniably A's a trades right and and they're not um they're not like big swings for big stars right they're they're eating around the edges smart plays smart plays filling in the gaps this is aj preller actually like constructing a roster yeah and and even though like you know, they they got eye and everyone's like, oh, don't they have enough starting pitching already? Where's this coming? Well, you know what? You can never really have enough. You can never really have enough. And so all of these things that A.J. Preller is doing now are smart. I definitely don't think he's done, though. And I think the the lead into the conversation about an outfielder,
0: specifically a left fielder, should probably be the Hosmer trade that didn't happen. Let's talk about that. So... Uh, yeah, just buttoning Manaya. Manaya is going to help. We'll get back to Manaya when we get to talking about the season predictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's definitely going to be a part of it. But that was Sunday. Saturday was waking up in the morning to national baseball writers in New York Joel Sherman the same cursed Ken Rosenthal, John please. Heyman and Ken Rosenthal all digging in on. Padres and Mets are way down the road on a trade. And so far that we get a whole list of players. We get basically a trade outlined in Twitter. Not only... Okay, this
2: is the thing. You have to understand that, like, we got the outline of the players that would be involved and the exact dollar amounts that the Padres were willing to send along with Hosmer to New York. This trade was done, Craig. I don't know how this didn't get completed. Like, when you are that far along that you are willing to leak exact dollar amounts, the trade's done. You've already agreed on the players. Now you're just crossing T's and dotting I's. I am shocked that there was exact dollar amounts released and somehow this trade didn't go through.
0: So, and and we'll talk about the kind of whether we think it should have happened or not later. What was reported was Hosmer, plus what twenty five to thirty million dollars? Yeah, well, I think it was thirty four million. It was, Jesus, that's over half the money.
2: Yeah, I, I think, thought it was twenty five. So, 30. so
0: originally, Ken
2: Rosenthal reported that it was twenty five that they would send along, and uh, and the Mets would pick up the remaining thirty four. And then Rosenthal corrected it later and said that it, the way he stated it was incorrect, that actually it was the Padres sending along 34 and saving 25. Ah, uh, so basically the Mets would just be on the hook for 25 million over the next five years. Of-
1: but they would have
0: also been on the hook for Emilia Pagan's salary, Yep, which is not a small amount. It's five, six million. Or Correct. Something. Uh, and Chris Paddock. Yep. Uh, which would have also saved some money. Sure. Um, all of those players were going to go to the Padres or to the to the Mets and then the the Padres would get Dominic Smith. Right. Dominic Smith who uh in 140-ish at-bats in 2019 was a really good hitter and in about 170 at-bats in 2020 was a really good hitter and then got a full-time job in 2021 and was a really bad hitter. Right. Uh, and was bad defensively in the outfield. P- Some people think he was good at first base, uh, but was not a good hitter. And I had him on my fantasy team for a good part of last year, and he was not good. <laughs> like, I can tell you, he was explicitly not good. Yeah. He was Hosmer-level bad. Yeah. Um. So,
2: I actually wonder, so, when, I mean, Trade details were out, including exact numbers, right? Which means it's close. And then someone got a quote from Dominic Smith, and I felt like it was like from that day or the day before, where he said, uh, I don't really care if it's here or somewhere else that I pl- I'm playing. I just don't want to be a backup. Here's some more Hot Valley. Hot Valley. Uh, he said, I just don't want to be a backup. And I wonder if the Padres were trading for him and going like, okay, we're gonna have you platoon with Will Myers or something. Well,
0: he would have been the first baseman.
2: Yeah. So platoon with Luke Voigt yeah. at first base. And and he just was like, Absolutely no, like I'm not a backup, I'm not gonna platoon, I'm not gonna whatever. And they were just like, Okay, like I wonder if the podcast has killed it. No
0: him. position in New York.
2: Yeah. I don't. Well, I'm saying I wonder if the Padres killed it. Like, if they, if he got
0: word to them of like, I'm going to freak out if you trade for me and don't make me a starter. I, I don't think that would have been a problem. I, I honestly don't. I, yeah, I think Dominic Smith right. would have been in the lineup against every right. I just don't game. see why else it fell apart. Like, if they had because it was it not. I don't. I don't know. So this is uh, let. Hmm. Like, I don't think they would
2: have gotten to the point of actually picking out how, the number of this is how much we would need to send to like get the deal done type of stuff Yeah, unless they already agreed that they like the package of players you know there's a lot to
0: unpack here let's start with the thing that you and I can talk about the best because it's only our own opinion if that trade had happened was that a good trade for the San Diego Padres
2: I mean I wrote about it on bandwagon beach as if it was a great trade uh because I believe there's still a good player in there somewhere for Dominic Smith and he might just need to platoon, but I think there's a good player there somewhere um it immediately replaces the need for Hosmer because now you have a left-handed first baseman uh it gives you I guess some additional corner outfield depth and it saves you, you know, X amount of dollars per year, $5 million a year, whatever it would save you just by getting rid of Hosmer's contract. Plus Ed Pagan's contract is now off the books too. Yeah, Um, It clears a lot of money if they could have done it and then,
0: well, there's no one else they could really sign. People were immediately jumping and saying they'll sign Michael Conforto. Michael
2: Conforto, maybe. Except Michael Conforto is not really. People are like, oh, center field, center field. Like he hasn't played center field in years.
0: Also, he's coming off a shoulder injury.
2: Yeah. So... I don't know. I think the answer is yes. Actually, no. Here's why. And Dennis Lynn said this in his, in his piece that was basically the trade's not going to happen, which is, Hosmer has become, like, poison in the clubhouse. Like, no matter how many guys love him and they're like, oh, he's the team leader and all that stuff, like, this shit now hangs over the clubhouse all the time. It hung over the second half of last season because Hosmer was pissed that they tried to trade him, and now it's probably hanging over spring training because Hosmer's probably pissed again that he's being publicly shopped in these, you know, rumors. And so, I think, yeah, I I think you... Even if it doesn't, you're risking losing something in Paddock, right? Yes. So you're risking losing something potentially very good in Paddock. Uh and all you're really getting back is like Hosmer plus or all you're really getting back is like Hosmer's same production ish from Dominic Smith uh or less. Um and then you're getting cap space or whatever right. space before before you hit the luxury tax. Yeah. So like you're not getting a ton, but you do get rid of that like poisoned cloud of Eric Hosmer just like flying over top of the clubhouse and bumming everyone out or pissing everyone off or whatever it's doing. So, yeah, I do think you have to do it. I think Dennis Lynn actually said like they you can't you can't keep shopping Hosmer and then not trade him like he needs to go and he needs to go like now.
0: Well, he wrote a very good article about he didn't opine that in the column. He didn't say. Or it wasn't a column. It was a story. It was an article. And he didn't say they have to trade him now. But they were like, this is the second time they haven't traded him. Yeah, And that's... That was the same feeling I was feeling when this happened. And I've got a conspiracy theory that I'll get to momentarily. But...
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I also saw some true fucking idiots on Twitter. And I know there's a lot of you out there that... I'm sitting right here. We're like, oh, well, all that Hosmer stuff was a deliberate misdirection so that he could get Sean Mania. No. No, it's not. No. No. You don't get to wipe off every fuck-up by going, well, well, look at the other thing I did. It was all just set up for the other thing.
2: No. No, 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 no. Wait, so you're categorizing this as a Preller fuck-up. I'm interested
0: to hear this conspiracy theory. Um. Okay. I don't know 100% that this is a Preller fuck-up. I do know this. A.J. Preller has now twice had it come out all the way through the baseball world that he was just about to trade Eric Hosmer and then didn't trade Eric Hosmer. So that's a pump fake and an air ball twice, okay? No matter whether that, no matter whether in each circumstance he could boil it down forensically and point to the moment where it wasn't his fault, that it got out, it got out. And it absolutely, in uh, in this broadcast space, sitting here in the Spring Studio, I know you and I agree, it had a major impact on the end of 2021. That for sure. So the fact that it's happening again a week before the season starts should in no way be considered a good thing. Hosmer's still here. Yeah and they had their little talk up on the you know the patio at, at Peoria Sports Complex for an hour Preller and Hosmer, according to the Dennis Lynn article you know the day after he wasn't traded again so whatever problems existed because of that that wound is reopened you know the scab's been ripped off and whatever you know bubbly there is there now that's Bob Melvin's problem to deal with. Jace obviously had no answers. You know, hopefully Bob, you know, puts a quick, you know, healer on it. I don't know. Wraps it up. But that that's an issue. I don't think that trade made the Padres a better baseball team in 2022. Unless Dom Smith was definitely going to come back to being a good hitter which i i didn't actually
2: go digging into the, plato- the 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 platoons to see if maybe like that was the problem if maybe like he was so good before cuz he was just facing right-handed pitching and no he mostly just faced
0: right-handed pitching. he just did it all the time for 400 something at bats instead of six instead of a hundred oh
2: really yeah so the platoons showed the same he just he, he was really
0: really bad he, wow he did, okay. he wasn't he had like 10 homers the so whole time so maybe year, he maybe. just got figured out in some way maybe yeah. Or you know, or they they said he dealt with a lot of injuries last year. So maybe yeah. he was dealing with a lot of injuries sure. last year and that hampered his performance. That absolutely could be the case. Baseball's a hard game. So unless Dominic Smith was going to come in and be a lot be the old version of himself, the 2019-2020 version of himself. You were kind of getting the same player back for less. Well, yeah, I had said on Twitter, three of my least favorite players on the team for plus cash. For a player having a bad year. Yeah. That sounds like about what the cost would be to actually get rid of Eric Osmer. Yeah. Um, you know, the benefit of not having Emilio Pagan pitch is not having Emilio Pagan pitch. 100%. Uh, and, and that could be of great benefit to the team and a great you know loss to the Mets, having him pitch for them instead. Uh, however, the Padres don't have a settled bullpen, so it would be taking one more person out of that unsettled situation. Chris Paddock is supposed to be part of the solution. Yeah, but if you lo- if you
2: trade Chris Paddock, you also trade Michael Paddock. So, yes. Big win.
0: Big win. Big win. Big win. So, yeah, I would have come around on that deal if it had been made. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. I would have come around on it. And we would have all just been celebrating that Hosmer was gone. hmm Your I've, problem now, Matt. I've got to tell you that as, you know, Saturday early morning, right? First thing I get up, I'm checking the Twitter, I'm seeing all this stuff. I see all my favorite suspects on Twitter doing their favorite thing, putting out their nine-man lineups. You know, (laughs) oh my God, there's certain people. I mean, I don't even know who you are, Will Holder, but you must have written 57 tweets this winter with nine man lineups involving, you know, Brian Reynolds here or there, Dominic Smith, this and that just it's, as I said, it's the new stadium rendering. By the way, I'm very, I'm some, I'm very
2: glad that I was on Twitter a lot Saturday morning and didn't see a single lineup. I saw
0: so many. Oh man, I'm following the right people. Thank you to everyone that I follow. Yeah. I was laughing my ass, off, but I got to tell you when I saw all that shit, I said to myself, none of this is happening. Because too much got out? Okay, and now we've reached the point of my theory. Okay? I'd like to posit, and I think I've said something like this last year, I'd like to posit for the audience that Scott Boris absolutely hates A.J. Preller, Absolutely dis- despises A.J. Preller. Lives to fuck with him. Because A.J. Preller said things to him during the Hosmer negotiation and said things to him along the way with other agents, with other clients. And then he's potty-mouthed Hosmer to other GMs and other agents and it's gotten back to Scott Boris and he's tried to trade his man, Haas. And as far as Boris is concerned, the Boris shop is closed in San Diego. There will be no Boris clients in San Diego. And furthermore, any chance he gets to fuck with A.J. Preller and if A.J. is going to try and move Hosmer or acquire another Boris client, <clears throat> Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, then it's time for Boris to unleash the whirlwind And the whirlwind is leaking to Bob Nightingale. The whirlwind is you can tell who Scott Boris's national guys are. John Heyman is his guy. Rosenthal's his guy. Nightingale's his guy. Sure. Those guys have gotten great intel from Scott Boris time after time over the years, so much so that even when Boris burns them, time to time, just to do his thing, they understand they're going to keep coming back because it's like the the mouse that mostly gets a treat but sometimes gets an electrical shock when they press the lever. They keep pressing the lever.
2: So Scott Boris's plan is to screw over AJ Preller no matter what AJ's trying to do or simply to just screw up any potential Eric
0: Hosmer trades? Any potential Eric Hosmer trades or okay. any moves that would involve a Boris client coming to San Diego. Okay. A trade for a boy. So for example, when you're all the way down the road on a trade to bring Max Scherzer to San Diego the day before the trade deadline, and it's basically done, and it's four thirty in the morning on the East Coast, instead of that trade just getting done, Scott Boris makes sure that it gets to the people to get out into the wind so that then the Dodgers find out that, yeah, Max Scherzer is about to go to San Diego, and they come up with the right deal to get Scherzer and Trey Turner to go to L.A., and, of course, Boris is behind the scenes facilitating everything, telling the Dodgers exactly what they need to get from the from the Nationals in order to make the deal work, et cetera, et cetera, because, by the way, the Nationals are the team that's been in Boris's pocket forever, Strasburg, Harper, Turner, down the road, right? Scherzer. The, the owner that spent the most money with with Scott Boris is Washington and Lerner. Okay, I'm gonna take over for a minute here. Okay, but I mean, you get the gist of it.
2: No, no, no. I'd Boris say, Boris you know, messes no, I, with I him, puts it, it into the wind, and then Preller's trade dies. I got it. So you know that uh, anyone who pays the the five dollars a month to be one of our Patreon patrons gets access into our Discord server. And then our Discord server has a lot of several hundred people in there. They talk all the time. There's a ton of messages. It is. uh, I used to refer to Twitter as a fire hose because trying to take a drink from the the fire hose, you're you're only going to get a little bit. You're going to miss most of it, right? And our Discord has become like that as well. Where even I, probably you, will go and check from time to time. Hey, what's going on? What's the conversation here? What's the conversation there? But we're missing probably 80% of the conversation that's happening there, if not more, right? So I will forgive you for missing this conversation that happened a couple days ago, maybe yesterday, on the Discord, where I posited the exact same theory that you just laid out, and then 30 seconds later, found out that Sean Mania was a Boris client, Mm. And it ruined the whole damn theory. You didn't have to tell me that. And I did all of this <laughs> publicly in the Discord. Like, I was like, here's my theory. And I, like, laid it out. And then I was, like, 30 seconds later, I was like, wait, who's Mania's rep? And I looked it up, and I'm like, okay, Sean Mania is represented by Scott Boris. It just completely destroyed it. The whole theory is... A's wait-
0: fire sale overcomes all. Billy Bean, A.J. Preller relationship overcomes the Boris a- Taylor. No, but this
2: is... This is the thing. This is the, the I forget who you said said it, but this is the thing where it's like they could have gotten so much more. Yeah, they could like why wouldn't have been like, oh Padres closing a deal to trade middling prospect for Sean Mania to right. light up the board and and screw Preller and get Oakland a flood of offers for Sean Mania because they definitely could have gotten more. Like that's the only that I had the same jam theory and Sean Mania freaking killed it.
0: Maybe Shamanai is just not high enough on Boris's list.
2: Maybe. Yeah. He doesn't have the $100 million Hosmer contract. So, like, Boris doesn't really return his calls. It's like Boris's other guy does it. Right. But when Haas, Haas has this, the Boris cell. Yeah,
0: Haas has the Boris, the, the the actual phone. Yeah. You know, not the phone that not doesn't Not the office ring. line. Not the yeah. office line. He's got the cell. <laughs> He made Scott enough money to get the cell number. I don't know. So maybe it's not true. But if it's not true, then that actually puts more blame back on AJ Preller.
2: I don't know what happened. I just know that it was close, man. It was damn close. And we can't keep going like this. And I mean, this is the I think this is what Dennis Lynn was saying. Like they can't keep continually
0: trying to trade their first baseman. It is clear that Eric Hosmer is one of if not the lowest valued asset in Major League Baseball, he's one of them. I'm. Who's harder to trade? Trevor Bauer.
2: Maybe. Yeah. Like maybe not even. Maybe not. I don't <laughs> um, know. This was the NFL. Trevor Bauer would be very uh, Yeah, probably nobody. It's Cause, crazy because he's a he's a rep- he's a replacement level player. Who gets paid $20 million a year? Yeah. Like, you should be able to get a replacement-level player for less than a million dollars a year.
0: It's remarkable. And it really does come back, and I want you to understand this in the audience, please. Why every time the Padres make a move that at least me, I'm not speaking for you, John, but at least me, I don't just automatically celebrate. I always look, wait, evaluate, double check. Well, at this point, we've been burned more than so once. many times. Yeah, so many times. Yeah, you know, but it's like the the Hosmer signing at the time. If you said it was a bad signing, people were mad at you in the Padre fandom because, like, we spent money, we got the guy. People, Someone was trying to get a guy and we got the guy. It's like the the ugly dude at the... She danced with me, okay? We kissed. I know she has nasty braces and she cut my teeth, but we kissed, okay? We made out. Like, there's an air of desperation to it. You know, it's that loser mentality that Padre fans have had. Well, finally, someone is opening their legs. You know, we're excited. Doesn't matter who. So... That's why we evaluate this shit because the Hosmer contract is now a leprosy on the team. You know, it's it's just like it, it continues to be a problem that infects and grows and they can't cut it out. And this is
2: I, I made this point last week and I'm going to make it again. I've probably made it several, several times, but I saw someone on Twitter make the same point and he, he worded it a better way. So. You were saying, I think it was during our pessimistic episode, you were saying you were worried that A.J. Preller was going to trade one of his top prospects to get rid of Eric Hosmer, right? And I said, Eric Eric Hosmer, A.J. Preller has never really traded one of his top prospects, um, with the exception of uh, Patino, who traded to get Snell. Right. And you pointed out like, oh, Trey Turner and Max Fried and all the guys he traded in 2015. And I saw someone word it perfectly today, which is A.J. Preller has never traded one of his top prospects outside of Patino. Right. And I I think that matters more than you think because, like, you're afraid that he's going to trade one of his top prospects to get rid of Hosmer. And I think it's the other way around. I think he won't get rid of Hosmer because he's not willing to get rid of one of his top prospects to do it.
0: Yeah. And because the rest of the league has him over the barrel.
2: Well, that's what happens when you try and trade a guy twice, desperately, and basically get the door shut in your face. Yeah. At this point, I feel like... And we didn't even know what the trades were last trade deadline. We just know that he was shopping him. Yeah. I think the
0: Padres today... And listen, if AJ comes up with a trade that is at least no more damaging than what was proposed, good on him, right? Good. By the way, Saturday at the Wave game, uh, which we talked about on Banter, I ran into uh, a couple of friends uh, who are LAFC fans and one of uh, and are actually both randomly New York Mets fans. Uh, the guy who does the Ontario Fury Games, uh, Christian Philly Philemon, uh, and Philly and the Scarf do the Defenders of the Bank podcast okay. for LAFC. and And the Scarf, I was talking to him. He's a big Mets fan. And at this point, it hadn't been turned down yet. And he was like, I think this is an incredible trade for the Mets. I can't believe how much we're beating you on this trade. We get Hosmer. He's a good veteran player. He'll help the team. They were stoked about Paddock. We get Paddock. We get a young pitcher to help our rotation. We need pitching. You know, DeGrom is hurt. We get Pagan. He'll help the bullpen. And Dom Smith was terrible. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) this is a great trade. (laughs) yeah Hosmer can't be worse than Dom Smith was last year so it'll work out and besides Hosmer would have been what part time DH for the Mets yeah no they they have Pete Alonzo at first and they have Robbie Cano at DH
2: they were actually talking about uh, I because I I read some of this from the Mets perspective and they were saying that um Hosmer would take over at first Alonzo would go to DH Cano would go to the bench and apparently Cano has not been very good for them. So they were excited about the idea of Cano getting pushed from DH
0: to the bench. Okay. All right. Well, that's crazy because Hosmer sucks. And they would have figured that out in about three weeks of ground balls. <laughs> that, that probably Cano offered just as much yeah, as Eric Hosmer did uh, with probably a better glove at first base or DH. Uh, I'm sure Pete Alonso a better glove at first base than Hosmer just because Eric Hosmer's as bad as I've seen.
2: Well, you know, it's hard to move around when you're carrying all those gold gloves in your pocket.
0: Yeah, I guess. That big Hos energy is uh, is weighing him down at first base. So we'll see how this all shakes out, but Hosmer's still here. And what I was going to say before is I, I believe now at this point that the that there's only one thing left to happen, which is for Hosmer to play the full season in San Diego, for him to get pump fake not traded again at the deadline. Another John Heyman, Ken Rosenthal, Bob Nightingale morning burst. What if this is a
2: great long con from A.J. Pro to convince Hosmer to opt out of his contract? You don't want to be here, man. You're tired of being in the trade rooms right. all the time. Go somewhere where they
0: actually want you. Well, and I think at the end of the season, when the salary drops to 13, I think they'll just cut him. Maybe. And just at that point, it's a $13 million average annual value, right? Because the 21 would be off the books. So it would just be 13, 13, 13 off the CBT the next three years. And that's at least an $8 million savings off where it was before. Yeah. So that's one more random ass Japanese reliever flyer (laughs) or middle reliever or middle infielder uh, utility man for AJ Prellitus. Right. Jerks and profile extension season coming with our Hosmer savings. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, that what else? He's a pariah. Him and Snell on a boat. But here's the thing.
2: So, not only has AJ Preller shown his cards in terms of he very much wants to trade Eric Hosmer. So, everyone, to your point, has him over a barrel, right? By. Almost making this move for Dominic Smith. See, you were like, oh, he'd take over at first base. And maybe you're right. But they still have like Cronenworth, who we know can play first base. And they still have Kim that we know can play second base. And they still have CJ Abrams, who looks like he's going to make the roster. Like, there's a real chance that they were viewing Dominic Smith as a corner outfielder here. And he's, he would have been a klutsch go out there. Maybe. But. I, I kind of took it as a sign of like, well, at least Preller understands that he doesn't have enough outfielders. Right. And so that's exciting to me, but it also, once again, by putting the trade out there and then having it not consummated, all the other teams that he's talking to now know, like, oh, you're trying real hard to get an outfielder. So when you call about our outfielders,
0: the price is now you know 10% more what it was last week. Yeah. Now, if he had been trading for a real outfielder from the Mets, for example, if he had, if it was that trade, but instead of Dom Smith, it was Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Who would have been the leadoff hitter right away. Right. For the team, like career 390 on base, like step in, outfielder, play. I would have been over the moon and I would have been heartbroken that the trade didn't go through because I thought the trade was so marginal when I got, when I saw the tweet, I think at halftime of the wave match that the trade was dead from Joel Sherman, I just laughed. I laughed at our poor fan base being put through the ringer again. And then for the fallout that was coming at the Padres Clubhouse and the the meeting that was reported from Dennis Lynn, the patio deck meeting between Preller. You know, what does Preller say to Hosmer at this point? Yeah, man, I'm trying to trade you. I mean, you know Preller was like, Hey, listen, Eric, you know, we still think that you're a really important veteran leader on the team. We really need you to have a good attitude in the clubhouse, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, like, at this point, Hosmer's just looking at him going, fuck you, right? Oh, what He has lost all respect for A.J. Preler, well, Just he, from if, Eric Hosmer's perspective. If he had any left. Yeah. He certainly had any when he stroked $144 million commitment to him. At that yeah. point, he was like, I love you. Big Haas Energy, all about the prelate man. But at this point, he's just like, F you. And, and that's horrible. That's horrible to have around. And they're stuck with him. So it's a disastrous situation. Um, And hopefully Eric Hosmer will not be a complete and utter shit, which is hilarious. To talk about a grown man who'll make $21 million this year to play for the San Diego Padres, that we're hoping he won't be a little petulant shit right. the whole year. Like, cool. That's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumbacasino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw Group. prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus springboarding off that
2: and i don't know if it's time to dive into our season predictions maybe it is we're 45 minutes in we're getting there but
0: yeah let's do it
2: but springboarding off that i have been putting a lot of thought into you know how many wins I want to predict for this team this season. And honestly, adding Sean Manaya probably added a few to that win total because now you're, you know, fifth starter instead of being Mackenzie Gore or Nick Martinez or Chris Paddock is someone who's a really, really good, you know, like middle of the rotation pitcher that I, I think can be counted on to be more reliable than those guys. So that's great. But every time I came back to how many wins are they going to have this season, I kept coming back to the exact same question. And it, honestly, it wasn't even about left field for me because I'm like, left field is, you know, it's a platoon between Profar and Beedy, and that's fine. They'll survive, whatever. I kept coming back to, there's no... Have we cursed already? We did. Yeah. Right? There is oh, no, plenty. There is no fucking way. There is no fucking way that this team finishes above 500 without a backup center fielder. Like, it's just not possible. Not in the NL West. <laughs> it's not possible, especially when you're like, when you're starting left fielder is both injury prone and not that good at defense. Like, sorry, I know he has a gold glove, but he's he's I, I think he's a gold glove outfielder in a corner outfield spot. Uh, But center field is asking a little much from him, especially if you're not going to give him any days off and there is no backup for those times in which he hurt his leg or whatever was going on last year he had constant injuries so i it, it's not it's not even like at the point where i'm like i feel like the padres should make a move for another center fielder before the start of the season i think they need to i don't think it's a want yeah i think it's a
0: need Okay, this, yeah, I agree. This is a good springboard. We're four days from the start of the season, and this Padres roster to me is goofy. Okay. I know it's not, it's for nothing. I'm not going to say not for nothing, it is for nothing. But I mean, you know, right? I used to play like as a hobby, Stratomatic, right? And I would go to these drafts, or we'd have these monthly drafts. And like sometimes you'd have a draft that got away from you. And like you had a good intention and it screwed up and three times in a row, the guy you were intending to pick got picked and then the time limit was up and you panicked and you made the wrong pick and then you look and you go, oh shit, I drafted a left fielder with my first pick and my third pick. Yeah. You know, I've got Barry Bonds and I've got Greg Vaughn and they can both only play the same position. Yeah. What the hell am I going to do? I've got the most expensive pinch hitter in the league in the third round. Yeah. You know? Oh, and then by the end of the game you know you keep picking players but at the end you're like oh no matter what my roster's messed up because i got too many left fielders and and not enough shortstops
2: like a team with four catchers no backup center fielder
0: like a team that's got all starting pitching all catchers all utility infielders and nothing else and that's our padres we got a great starting staff really at- At top performance, they would be an elite starting staff that could be a top five starting staff in Major League Baseball. If you Darvish is all-star caliber, if Joe Musgrove is pitching like he was for the majority of 2021 when he was an all-star level pitcher, if Blake Snell is pitching like he was at the end of 2021 when he was striking out 14 in six and a third innings and, and looking absolutely outstanding. If Mike Clevenger pitched like he did in 2019 when he was a really good pitcher with a low three ERA in the American League, and if Sean Maniah just pitched like he did last year, and if Mackenzie Gore pitched and, and Chris Paddock and Ryan Weathers in the minors and Nick Martinez, you've Adrian got Adrian Morehone, baby. Morehone at midseason. Drew Pomerantz. You've got and Nelson Lamette. I remember us sitting in these exact chairs, talking about the incredible depth in the starting rotation last year because you had all these guys and then you had Morajone and then you had Baez, right? And you had Gore. And Weathers. And Weathers. And we thought there was just, you know, unlimited pitching for the Padres. And then by the end of the year, it's Vince Velasquez, Jake Arietta Broken Ankle Weathers at the, and no one else and Musgrove and that's it. That was Rip Van Winkle's fault. That was father time. Right. We can find someone to blame it on. Gladly. We can, we can, we can create excuses. We can say that it's all gonna be the same, but Blake Snell doesn't throw a lot of innings. That's his career pattern. 130, 150 innings, probably what you're gonna get from him. You Darvish has been hurt many seasons in his career seasons that he made it through all the way healthy. You can find them in his twenties, but other than a short season, it's pretty hard to find at the back half of his career. Sean Maniah, early in his career had an injury every season that put him on the disabled list for one thing or another. And Mike Clevenger is already hurt and will start the season on the injured list. And why do we expect to get anything from Mike Clevenger this year? When he does pitch, how do we know he's not Matt Harvey? Just bad. Yeah. You know, just, just not good. Used to be good, not good. So, on that level, you really get the Mania trade. Like, people, I you know, you really can never have too much pitching, but especially with this group where every single guy... Every single guy has breakdown in their resume. Adding another guy kind of does make sense, at least in that one position. Yeah, and at the end of the day, what's the starting rotation spot he takes? It's either
2: Clevenger, who you said is a question mark and heard already, or it's Gore, who is a big question mark. So, like, there's, yeah, the, the Mania trade definitely
0: adds wins to the total. It does. Yeah. It adds wins. It adds certainty. It's it's another bulwark against someone getting hurt. I mean, right now, just hurt. And instead of which could have been exciting, I guess, uh, Gore guaranteed in the rotation and then Nick Martinez is the five. So now you've got, you know, your your Darvish Musgrove Snell, Gore Martinez, that would have been okay. But Manaya is definitely more of a sure thing. So that's cool. You've got Really good starting rotation. Not unimportant at all. It's hard to be bad if your starting rotation is actually good. And there, all the time. Bullpen? It, it is it is harder
2: for your rotation to be good if you have, like, Will Myers playing center field or Jerks
0: and Provar playing center field. A good defense helps. A yeah, lot. A lot. And when you were writing on Bandwagon Beach about they found their identity, I went, hmm. Because of exactly that. If you're a team built on pitching, you're a team built on pitching and defense. The A's, Bob Melvin teams that were great at run prevention, of course, they had an, the most run-preventing ballpark around with 100-foot foul ground, right? Yeah. Um, but also, you'd have an all-goal-glover you know goal glover Matt Chapman that's knocking down everything, Laureano in center field, running down everything. I feel like the A's... Not always. They didn't, they would start a uh, bad second baseman. They they weren't always great, right? But they have they
2: and that's the thing. Padres right now they have they have at second base. They have either Kim or Tatis at shortstop. They have Machado at third. They have that on the infield, right? And In the outfield. This is why I was pushing for like, hey, go get uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, go get Manny Margot, go get Brett Phillips, who's the guy whose name I never remember. Like, go get one of these guys. Push Grisham to one of the corner spots, and you know Beattie, Profar, Myers, uh, and and Grisham all kind of platoon at the corner spots. Yeah, that's a good defensive outfield. Like what you need is a borderline Gold Glove or Gold Glove defensive level center fielder, and push Grisham to a corner outfield spot, and boom, you have it. That's why I keep thinking there's going to be a trade coming for a center fielder because it makes too much sense for it to not happen.
0: And and I hate to keep eating this horse, but the Dodgers decided to trade Matt Beatty because they signed Kevin Pilar for $2 million. I know. And Kevin Pilar is making diving catches already in the Dodgers outfield. And it's like, oh, what a perfect fit. Yep. What a great defensive addition to our team because... That's the thing about the Dodgers is that they not only put together a team that can hit and they great pitching, but they also think about their defense and they have these guys who can handle these positions and and, and lock things down. Not always. Corey Seager was a bad defensive shortstop. You know, there's the, the it's none of this is uniform, but the Padres have never treated under Preller outfield defense with the care that they could have. And yeah. right now, I look at the Padres' outfield defense as being, at best, mediocre. Yeah, that's very fair. I mean, Grisham would be the spat the the spackle over everything. Yep. We're hoping he covers 65% of the outfield. Matt yeah. Beatty is not going to be a good defensive outfielder. No. Nope. And Will Myers is Will Myers. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, you know, he's just, he is who he is. Yeah. And that's and that's the case all the time. So yeah, it's it's a little wacky that they don't have that lockdown defense in the we're an outfielder short, period. Yeah. Really we're two outfielders short. With Beatty maybe now one, but we're definitely an outfielder short. And that but that's not even the thing. They're a center
2: fielder short. Like they had another corner outfielder like a Dominic Smith. That doesn't help with what do you do when Trent Grisham gets hurt. Right. You know, this is why last week I was saying, like, maybe Jose Azucar should make the team. Like, just someone who can play center field who's not a total zero, you know, to either A, give Grisham days off, which we know he needs, B, help him face less left-handed pitching, which we know leads to more success for him, or C, is just there's a backup plan for when he gets hurt, which he's shown a propensity to do. So, yeah, unless they can find one on the trade market... I'm going to be disappointed. It's the wrong word. But unless they find one on the trade market, I'm going to be banging the drum for like, I don't care if no one knows who Jose Azucar is. Like you can't be a good baseball team without a backup center fielder.
0: I'm just going to, every time I hear you say Jose Azucar, I just know that's a placeholder for, I wish there was a better player here for the Padres.
2: I just wish there was a better player Jose Azucar is a
0: player who will never play for the Padres. Right.
2: Uh, But, but, but no, but what I'm saying is, if they can't find a backup center fielder externally yeah. he's the only internal option they have unless unless they're going to tell CJ Abrams hey you know i know you have like 30 double a at bats welcome to the bigs you're now the backup center fielder you're now in the outfield yeah
0: he is, might be better than the guys they have
2: i know but like you know our, our buddy dallas was like tweeting at us like why is cj abrams not just the starting left fielder it's like well because Asking someone who spent their whole life trying to get to the major leagues like, hey, we know today's your first day, but you're going to play a position you've never played before is putting too much on one person.
0: Yeah. Being in the big leagues is a major jump yeah. for C.J. Abrams. Yes. Being in the big leagues and learning a brand-new position he's never played in his too life. Too much. It's Probably too much. too much. Him being in the majors might be too much. Might be too but much.
2: But asking him to play... And not just... It's not like, oh, you play short, and we're going to ask you to play third base. Like, it's you play short, and we're going to ask you to play center field. Right. Like, no, he's got to go
0: learn that in some minor league games that don't matter for The only reason C.J. Abrams has a chance to make this team is because... Fernando Tatis Jr. is out. Yeah. He is out for an indeterminate length of time. Right now, I hear people just automatically saying, oh, June, June, early July. And maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be the first of June. You never know. He's a fast healer, is the thing that everyone likes to say, as if he. And when they say that, it's such an unfair thing to say. To Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, well, he's a fast... He He heals faster than other human beings. He is an uber-human. He's 23... No, no, no. Your broken wrist will take months to heal. Fernando Tatis Jr. is special. His broken wrist will take three weeks to heal. To be
2: fair, if me and Fernando Tatis Jr. broke our wrists at the same time, he would be healed before me. He's also 15 years younger than me.
0: Right. But he would be healed before I was. Yeah. I just think that that's cute. Fast, when people he- go, fast oh, well, healer he means he's a fast healer. Fast healer means he's young. Fast healer means each of, like, you know what fast healer means? It means that three or four times last year, he came off the disabled list and hit a homer in the first game. <laughs> that's what it means. Fast healer. That's what it means. He hit a homer in that first game. Oh, he's a fast healer. Because look, he-, he just bombed at 450 feet. Boom. Must have healed. You know, we were at a couple of those games where he came back and he smoked a home run. They were wonderful. It is. It's great. Like, the first game he comes back, I want to be there because I'm pretty sure he's going to hit a homer off the batter's eye because he's Fernando Tatis. Whether he goes two for 50 after that, he's going to hit a home run in that first game. But it happened at the beginning of spring training. We had our whole cycle of grief and misery. And I feel like a lot of Padres fans now are just kind of like, well, yeah, well, it's cool. He'll be back. We're good. And they're not kind of really baking in. What does it really mean to not have Fernando Tatis for two, three, four months of the season and then to have a back from a broken wrist, Tatis, for the rest of the season? Here's what I'm worried
2: about. I, I've i gotten to this point where I'm now completely convinced that Hassan Kim is going to be fucking amazing. Okay. And despite Kevin Acey's uh just stop there. Thin, thin, thinly veiled uh criticisms of Hassan Kim. Um I think he's going to be amazing. Like to the point where Fernando Tatis Jr comes back and they're saying like we can't take this guy out of the lineup. What the hell are we going to do? It is spring when you're talking like that. (laughs) (laughs) But imagine that happens. Now, like, a normal team, at that point, starts going like, well, if we were going to cut Hosmer later, why don't we just cut Hosmer now? And then maybe they do it, and then maybe Tatis immediately gets hurt, and now your first base situation's fucked. I don't know. But the Padres are immediately going to be like, let's try him and left. (laughs) <laughs> Remember last year they were talking about uh, him and Cronenworth could see some time in yeah, left field. Yeah, yeah. The second he's playing well, and Tatis is there's there's video of Tatis in the cage just yeah. stinging him. Yeah, uh, stick him out in left. Let's let's give him a game in left and see how he does. Both of those are bad
0: case scenarios. The version of this Padres team where Hasan Kim is amazing and is Player of the Month in April or is featured in Sports I, Illustrated. No, no,
2: no, no, no. That's 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 going too far but but i do think like all-star ish level numbers for two months is not out of the
0: equation well if that happens i think the Padres are going to be a really good team probably uh that would be a super positive i mean do you want my in win- fact, that would be kind of an almost ideal like aj preller writes down in an envelope his favorite thing to happen Kind right of, kind of development right but then either that or Trent
2: Grisham is an MVP candidate but like if okay so games start April 7th so April May okay so let's say Kim has two great months right and Tatis comes walking in the first week of June what do you do like I know AJ Preller is going to be excited to have I don't know trade chips in in Abrams or Kim or whatever that he can move around before the deadline but like what do you actually do Bench Hosmer, I guess?
0: Yeah. The thing is, someone will be hurt by that point. And yeah. Right. They always find a way to figure the Those things find a way to figure themselves out. Kim can go play in center because Grisham will be hurt by then. Right. He can be our backup center fielder. I bet he'd be fantastic. Okay. Uh, the Padres play in the National League West. So, there's this horrible, like, you know, road to Mordor type gloom to starting a season in terms of the only way that we could really have the season that we dream of having is is one of two paths. It's either to win as a wild card the World Series by, you know, fighting your way through a wild card situation uh, and an and underdog situation to get through a first round and then upset somebody along the way never have home field advantage and and get to the world series that way, scrap your way uh, or for the Dodgers to be terrible and like have kind of a historically a historic fuck up for a 260 million dollar team to to be terrible.
2: I'd like to point your attention towards what happened in the playoffs last year.
0: Dodgers didn't make the world series. Dodgers didn't win the world series. True, but they certainly got there. I mean, they got to the NLCS again, and Braves—they
2: lost, lost to the Braves, lost to a scrappy Braves team that was missing their star player. Sure. So I did, but they it, won the division and they won a hundred something games. Right, but you, you, you were basically acting like there's no stopping the Dodgers. It would be embarrassing for them if they didn't. You know, make it to the World Series. And I'm like, that just happened. No, no. What I'm
0: saying, I'm not saying that at all. I don't care what happens to the Dodgers. Dodgers probably won't win the World Series this year. The odds are against them. Like they are every team in baseball. But the Dodgers almost undoubtedly will win over 95 games this year. Okay. And because of that, the remit to be A contender, when you're the San Diego Padres, it's different than other teams. Yeah. Other teams break camp going, if we have a great year, we can win our division. Right. And have home field advantage and do these things. The Padres basically don't have that option. And by being in the division with the Dodgers
2: and the Giants... That means they play those teams more than other teams. Right. So whereas they might, you know, if they were in the NL Central, maybe they'd be a 95-win team. Right. But because they got to play the Dodgers and the Giants all the damn time, maybe they're an 87-win team
0: instead. It has to be baked in. Yeah. It's a a different challenge for the Padres than it is for the Cubs. It's a different challenge for the Padres than it is for the Cardinals to have a winning sea a great season. Yachty knew. (laughs) <laughs> Yachty knew
2: Otherwise he'd be here with the San Diego but he'd be
0: catcher number 5 Fly over country is dodger country That's, it. That's no good I want to beat up on the Brewers So We have uh, Catcher depth We have Outstanding starting pitching If it stays healthy And productive Blake Snell not ready to start the season. Mike Clevenger not ready to start the season. Darvish apparently yes. Musgrove yes. Gore yes. Mania fresh in off you know off of a different team yes. Martinez I guess. Um, Paddock the review seemed good. Yeah, I think so. Who gets if the Padres lead Arizona three two in the ninth on Thursday? Who's who's on the mound? Wait, say it again? If the Padres lead Arizona 3-2 in the ninth on Thursday, who's on the mound?
2: Oh, okay. Good question, and then I'll it one to you. Um, so, like, who's coming in? So it's in Arizona, right? Yeah, so who's he- getting the first save chance? Lamette.
0: I don't think so. Suarez? I think it's Suarez. I'm fine with it. I... I feel like if Lamette was gonna be the closer, that that's something that we he'd have been working toward by now. I mean, what has he been working towards at all? Precisely. Yeah. So I don't think I don't I think I don't even think he pitches
2: in the I think I think everyone's gonna get a shot. I think Suarez will get a shot until it doesn't work. And then someone else will get a shot until it doesn't work. At some at some point, Pomerantz will be healthy and he'll get a big shot. Because he's got $9 million on his check. Right. Um, But, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not Lamette to start off the season.
0: There are a lot of arms in the Padres' bullpen, many of whom we know. Right. Some of them are good. I mean, Tim Hill's back. He's okay. Pierce Johnson's there. He's good. He's pretty good. Craig Stammen.
2: I think we need to kill the Craig Stammen jokes. Craig Stammen has been pretty damn good for the Padres for a couple of seasons in a row now. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the Bob Scanlon like Craig Stammen is the key to the whole bullpen thing. Right. But I think you could make a really good argument that that Craig Stammen has been in the last two seasons one of the better relievers on the Padres. I, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's very fair. He pitched eighty eight innings to three zero six ERA last year and a 1-0 whip. Right. So, so like I don't want him yeah. I
2: don't want him as the closer, but it's another good arm for Bob Melvin to use. Absolutely.
0: Until he falls apart and he is 38. Uh his full seasons, his last every full season he's pitched for the Padres, he's been really good. I know. I know. This is what I'm saying. 80 innings. We give him 80, too much crap 79, 82 and 88 innings. 314 273 329 306. We give him too much crap, he's really good. Well, he's good for the come in in the third, you're down 5 nothing. He's fantastic. Pitch two innings. He's great at those. You know, he's he is your prototypical
2: middle reliever. Yeah, you, you don't want him pitching the 8th or the ninth If you can avoid him in the 7th, cool. Anything before that, he's probably going to be nails. Every so often he comes in, his gas can gets lit up. But for the most part, he comes in, in those situations and he's nails.
0: Are you ready for my X-Factor Padres pitcher?
2: No, before we get, maybe it's the same guy, but I have a question for you regarding a certain Padres pitcher. Okay. A simple yes or no question. Do you think anyone told Chris Paddock where stem cells come from? (laughs) Because there were a lot of crosses in his family's house (laughs) when they showed the live feed of his family in Texas during the pandemic when he was pitching. A lot of crosses. I don't think they told him. No, I don't think he would have let... Like, God forbid we get on the conversation of vaccines. I don't think we would need to do that right now. There's no way anyone told him where stem cells came from. It was, we're going to give you a shot in the arm. Your arm might get better. Don't ask any questions.
0: All I know is that Jesus juice in my arm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna inject you with little, little Jesuses. They're going to fix you right up.
0: All right. Who's your X-Factor pitcher for the Padres? <sighs> Don't give up on him, gang. There's all kinds of reasons why everyone was was down on this cat at I the end of the year. Swear to
2: God if you say Emilio
0: Pagan. No, no <laughs> why are you kidding me? I was gonna jump across this table. I was I was thinking all Saturday morning. I'm thinking to myself, I have to find a Mets Twitter person. I heard and you th- trade him Pagan. Right. <laughs> Here's how to find the GIF. Uh no. Don't give up on Austin Adams. We've talked about Niebla. Fixing this, that, and the other thing. I know. But we haven't talked about the guy who throws an unhittable pitch that's on this team. And that's Austin Adams. Now, the problem was last year, his unhittable pitch became a hit you with it pitch. And became an unthrowable pitch. <laughs> yeah. It became a I hit you with my pitch. And he fell apart at the end of the year, he collapsed. He still has that stuff. I did see a little bit of a spring training outing for Austin Adams where he came in and he just snapped strike one. It's like, strike one, strike one. And you go, holy shit, the 0-1-1 version of Austin Adams is unstoppable. Untouchable. Unstoppable. Yeah, no, and that's, he's like, if
2: you, if you were to ask, like, who has the highest ceiling of any reliever they have, like, who's the guy who, by the middle of the season, there's, like, Articles on Fangraphs. Right. How did we not see Austin Adams, most dominant closer in the history of yeah, baseball, 26 coming
0: for twenty six saves with a zero thirty ERA?
2: Uh, right. Yes. No. That that is one hundred percent in the realm for Austin Adams, and you know I was talking to uh, I was talking to our buddy Steve O from the Emo Brown podcast the other day, and we were talking about Ruben Niebla, and I made like a weird comparison to Balsley, as I tend to do, and the first name he threw out when I said Balsley was Tyson Ross. And Tyson Ross <coughs> was the type of guy who had, like, an unhittable, like, sinker-slider thing that he really struggled to throw for strikes until Darren Ballsley got a hold of him. Right. And his problem was that he was really tall and his mechanics would get out of whack. And Ballsley kind of ironed out his mechanics, made him simpler, and he was like, dear, now you can throw your almost unhittable pitch for strikes when you want to. You're totally right. If Ruben Niebla could get Austin Adams to be able to, this is very simple, throw strikes when he wants to, then he is, you know, 1998 Mariano Rivera. Yeah, he could be an absolutely dominant
0: reliever that yeah. could revamp everything we're thinking about the bullpen. Because right now I don't feel like anyone's talking about Austin Adams. They're not, no.
2: And everyone's going to clench the first time he comes in, the first few times sure. he comes in. absolutely. Absolutely. And Unless he goes, strike three, strike three, strike three. I'm going to be very entertained to see how confident Bob Melvin is to bring Austin Adams into a game that matters. A yeah. Tie game in the seventh inning. Right. You know, something like that. Um, maybe he does get, you know, a first or second shot at closer. But Austin Adams, yeah, for that specific reason, has always been a guy that I can't lose faith in. Because I'm like, at some point, it's very possible he learns how to throw that for strikes, and then you're in the money.
0: Okay, let's get to it. I think we've gone far enough, John. I'd like to hear you uh, give to me your scenario of how you think. Right now, April fourth, no pressure. I don't want anyone to be like, "Oh, well, you said dirt to dirt," but still, we're going to say dirt to dirt. How do you think this? How do you think this shakes out? Okay,
2: uh, a thing we didn't talk about, but we should have, and I'll touch on it very, very shortly here. Um, I think we talked about a little bit on group therapy, you wrote about how major league baseball is going to have a humidor at every ballpark
0: now Yeah, to hold the baseballs in. And so, and, and I read a little bit of this cause first I was like, huh? And, and the, the theory in here is that in dry areas like Arizona, the humidor makes the ball harder to hit. It won't, it won't fly as far. But in humid areas, it winds up drying out the ball and will add more offense. Yeah, think about the baseball as kind of like a sponge.
2: And if there's moisture in the air, it'll soak up that moisture and become heavier. When it's heavier, it's harder to hit. It's harder to hit for a far distance. It's harder to elevate all that stuff. So when a sponge is really dry, it's light and it's easier to throw or hit or whatever. So... They actually determined that um, Peco Park was the most humid ballpark in all of baseball. Stands to figure. I mean, it does until you spend some time in like, you know, Fort Worth, Texas or Arlington, Texas or wherever that ballpark is. And you're just like, nothing could possibly be more humid than this. But because they're right on the bay, there's a lot of humidity in the air. And that's why there's always been the thing with... Um, Petco Park where it plays better in the summer than it does in the spring, right? Because it warms up, it gets hotter, the hotter it gets, the less moisture there is in the air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think he said they estimated a 10% rise in home runs at Petco Park. It was some absurd number. I'll believe it when I see it. It was some absurd number like that. And it was just, it was like a, just a mathematical equation of, you know, if, if you take, uh, kind of a neutral baseball and move it here, the amount of, you know, what we used to call pet code hits that are becoming home runs, it's a big, whatever. If that's real, that's a real thing, then I think the Padres offense is going to be good enough. I think Luke Voigt will hit a bunch of home runs. I think Manny Machado will hit more home runs than he's been hitting. I think Tatis will come back and immediately be awesome whenever he does. Uh, I think that bodes really well for guys like Kim. Um, Sounds too magical
0: to me, John. Grisham, I can't buy it does sound shit. very magical.
2: But my concern is still the backup center fielder spot, right? If they can get someone who defensively can play center field and I don't have to worry about him, Billy Hamilton. I don't know where the hell Billy Hamilton Seattle. is. If they got someone like Billy Hamilton, maybe it is Jose Azucar. It's not, not Jose Azucar. Just someone who can go into center field and we're just like, wow, we feel... We don't know if he's going to go 0-4-4 today, but we feel good about his defense. Like, even if they just got that guy, I would feel much better about this team. I still feel like there's... Manager's first year is always kind of magical. It's special. They get a little boost from it. Um, I think there's some of that. I think Preller's desperate, but also understands that like he's got Seidler by his side, so he doesn't have to make any crazy moves. But he wants, desperately wants to like win some playoff series or at least erase whatever happened last year. I'm going into this season very optimistic. I think I told you last week that my like ceiling for this team was 90 wins. You did. You so try- I don't understand how you now say
0: you're optimistic. You tried to push me to 92. You said 92, then 90. That's what I, I was just right. telling you what you told me. Fair enough. You tried to push me
2: back to 92 after yeah. I said 90, and I stuck at 90. Yes, you did. Add Sean Manaya I think the ceiling is 92, maybe 93, possibly 94. My actual prediction is that they'll win about 87 games. Okay. And, and I think that's good 87 enough. 87 and 75. And I think that's, first of all, that'd be a great season by San Diego Padres standards. Right? Th- throw out 2020 because that season never happened. The Dodgers never mm-hmm. won the World Series. 87 wins would be a great season by Padres in the last 25 years standards. So that's that's how I'm being optimistic. 87 wins.
0: 87 wins. Okay. So the Padres are supposed to win a win total in the 90s. I saw that.
2: I mean, I think there was some, there was, everyone's like, oh, if you really think it's, you know, 87, you should take this
0: bet that says it's 90. Well, yeah, I mean, the over under right now for Vegas, I think it's 91.5. That bet existed last year, too. A.J. Preller has underperformed his Vegas prediction. Every year. Every full season of his career. I know.
2: Seven for seven. We got used to this with the San Diego Chargers, where every year people were, oh, the Chargers are going to be the best team in the league this year, and then they just weren't. And no one really could understand why, because on paper, it makes more sense.
0: But that's the first thing I do want to say. You have a new manager who is undisputably good, you have a starting rotation that is not designed to be here in two years. Several players, Joe Musgrove and Sean Mania can be gone this year. Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish, gone the next year. Mike Clevenger, gone this year. Okay? This, this rotation is a today situation. It's not a long-term. Other than Mackenzie Gore, Nick Martinez on a series of one-year deals. Ryan Weathers. Right weathers, maybe. The six innings of Adrian Morahone before he gets hurt again. Chris Paddock and the things in his arm that we shouldn't tell him where they come from. <laughs> Tiny little Jesuses floating <laughs> on his in his elbow. Uh you know, there a lot of the pitching is designed to win now. I am I am flummoxed. I am baffled. And bewildered that the San Diego Padres, with this much salary, with this many moves, with this much thought, and coming off a season like they just had, are breaking camp with Matt Beatty and Jerickson Profar as their left fielder. It's wild. With Trent Grisham and Will Myers as the center fielder. And with Will Myers and Jerickson Profar as the right fielder. That's not a good enough outfield to win in any division in Major League Baseball. Never mind the best division in Major League Baseball, the NL West, where, by the way, the Rockies added Chris Bryant and have some hitters on their team. The Diamondbacks sometimes sneak up on you, probably not, but that's that's it's, I I can't believe it. Okay. I can't believe that we have Jorge Alfaro as opposed to anyone else in Major League any outfielder in Major League Baseball, any other player. I know. That we have this guy and Nola and Caratini and that our second, third best prospect is a catcher. But we've put three... Guys? Yeah. Two stiffs and a guy yeah. in front of him? Right. What are we doing? We've got Manny for 30000000 million. We've got a shortstop who's not there. We've got an all-star second baseman who we hope continues to be just as good. Again, another thing no one is even talking about at all. I'd put money on any, anything you wanted to say right now on Cronenworth. I hope he's... Uh, I mean, I hope he's great. What, he's going to hit 280 with 25 homers? I, hope, I think he'll be better than he was last year. I hope so. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I think he will be. If Hassan Kim is as good as you're dreaming on, oh, don't even. That would, that would be amazing. Don't even get me started. I mean, care. you know, I love Hassan Kim. You know how much I love Hassan Kim. King. I'd scream for him every time he's at the plate. You do. Love the guy. He was not good last year. Great with a glove. Yeah. Terrible at the plate. So, I really struggle because I understand so much how our fan base so deeply wants a winner, how we all as a community want to all be on the same page, that we all believe in this team, and that we all believe in the direction of where it's going and that it's going to work. This team is not complete. Well, so you were saying earlier how,
2: you know, this time last year we're like, oh, so much pitching death, so much pitching death. I do remember like the first week of the season when Morejon went down with, you know, he needs, needed Tommy John. And and at that point, it was obvious that Lamette was not going to be Lamette. Right. He hadn't come back yet. And we were like, oh, God, Chris Matt. Who's that? Uh, yeah. And I, I remember it was the first week of the season. We said, this team doesn't have enough pitching. They're going to need to add pitching. They don't have enough pitching. And you know what, Craig? We were right. Yeah. And I'm really worried that at the end of the season we're going to be like, "Hey, remember at the beginning of the season we were saying this outfield's not enough, that you need more, that that this outfield's not you can't win
0: games with this outfield. Shit, we were right." Like I'm really worried about that. Yeah. So the things I think the Padres can count on this year. I think they can count on Manny Machado to post up, you know, to show up for, to, to play the season and to put up a Manny Machado season. Right. I don't know that he's going to win MVP. I don't know that he's going to be an all-star or first team, but I think he's going to hit 270 to 285. I think he's going to hit 30 to 40 homers. I think he's going to drive in a hundred runs, you know, score 90 runs or more play great defense. You know, because there's still the shift, run out to right field, make some great places, rover. I think you can count on that. I think you can count on Cronenworth to be steady. I think you can count on Will Myers to be Will Myers. Uh, I think you can hope that Grisham will be better than he was coming back off his wrist injury last year. I will say...
2: A little bit I've seen of him in spring training, despite the fact that his numbers are not great, I've been very impressed. Because last year, you got into this thing where you were like, Grisham, when he's at his best is when he's looking to go away. Yes. The old, the old Tony Gwynn philosophy, yep, right? to the left. Right. Now, the, you give him one inside, maybe he'll turn on it, you know, take it over the, the the fence or whatever. But from what I've seen in spring training, it has been a heavy, heavy heavy focus on getting pitches on the outside part of the plate, and taking it to left field.
0: Hmm. So
2: yeah, I, I saw that. that? I was, Great. I saw that. And I was like, if that's, if that's the type of hitter he's going to be this year at the major league level, I, nothing but success for him for the Padres to be
0: the team they want to be the starting rotation must stay healthy and just be themselves if they stay healthy, they'll be themselves, and they will do well. The The bullpen finds answers along the way, isn't a problem, finds answers along the way, and the offense is good enough, right? Will maybe is a tick better, Hosmer a tick better, Nola is there and plays, Cronenworth is good, Kim improves the way you think, Grisham gets back to where he was.
2: Yeah, to your point that that you made earlier, like, you're literally predicting zero injuries, though. Which I did the same. Like, it's hard to predict an injury. Right.
0: Outside of Tatis, which has already happened. But right. we know guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get hurt. So when I get to my final prediction, I come back to Tatis. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the best player on the Padres. If you, We can go around to each team and go, if you take the best... Pl- if you take Mookie Betts off the Dodgers and just say for half the season you aren't going to have Mookie Betts, how does that impact your team? How many how many fewer wins do you get because you just didn't have Mookie Betts for that length of time, right? And, and again, you take Rafael Devers off of the Red Sox. You know, how does that impact? You just took Jacob deGrom off the Mets for a certain period of time. How does that impact their team? Tatis is off the do- off the Padres. All these other things we're saying are speculative. Tatis is off the Padres, and that's going to be two to three months minimum where they don't have their best player. That has to, has to impact the final line, the bottom line. I'm going to pick the Padres to win 84 games this year. I think the Padres are going to, at times, look great and probably at some point look like one of the better teams in the league when everything's clicking, when the pitching is looking really good. And if the X-Factor players, Grisham, Kim, Myers, Nola, can hit and stay healthy, then, hey, like they could be a 90-plus optimistic version team. But I think that Tatis is going to be a lingering problem all year. Either not getting back at the pace that we want or not coming back at the production level that we want. I think it's underestimated how important that is to lose your best player. And I feel like they could actually be a really middling team that gets Tatis back, feels like that's going to be the huge spark that's going to launch them. And then Tatis isn't quite Tatis. He just isn't quite himself yet. And at the end of the year, we go, well, what did you expect? He had a broken wrist. he had to come back from
2: yeah. it. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and that's why I'm going to say 84 wins and, and and miss the playoffs. Miss the playoffs. It's unfortunate. AJ Preller gets fired. The season ends. Bob Melvin reestablished, gets more control. And maybe we get a slight, you know, a couple of salaries come off the, the books and we get a slightly different direction. I'm not rooting for that at all. We bought season tickets. We still have them. I want the team to win 98 games. I want the Dodgers to stumble and the Padres to win the division on the final day of the season. I want Tatis to come back and be an all-star and hit 25 home runs in a half season. That's what I want to happen. But you guys don't pay for to just listen to two stupid fans Drink beers and giggle and and tell you that the Padres are going to win 108 games. <laughs> I mean, you just described half of what they're listening for, right? The, the the last part, though. Yeah, and I liked your number, and I just went a little bit under it, and, and and it's just baking in the whole. There's just so many fucking question marks, and it's not a complete roster. Yeah, you got to get give me something to hang my hat on. You know, I'm going to hang my hat on Darvish to stay healthy all year. Snell to be anything other than Enigma. Why? Why should I believe that? You know, Clevenger.
2: And I, I really do feel like if they if they went and they got a center fielder that was good enough to start. This is why I liked all those Tampa Bay guys. They got a center fielder that was good enough to start. And you could upgrade your outfield defensively, from mediocre to above get average... get Manny Margot back. Yeah, that's fine. Just get Manny Margot back. Put him in center. That immediately upgrades your defense, your outfield defense, from mediocre to above average, right? right. You know the infield defense is going to be good. With Kim and Cronenworth and Machado and, I mean, even Stonehands over at first base can't totally kill the, the infield defense. That really unlocks the pitching. And really gives the Padres an identity, a feather in their cap. Right. We're gonna have good defense and good pitching, and the offense just has to do enough. We just need, you know, two home runs a night and we'll win the game. That's my hope, but they'd have to,
0: you know, add a center fielder first. Hey, wanna go back to the Ace shop? Ramon Loriano, you know, I know he's suspended for another month. Uh, I drafted him in one of these leagues. I think our sixteen team Patreon league. I drafted Loriano center fielder that is as good as anybody has an arm that is as good as anybody. and if you he would be in the middle of the A's lineup, but if he was hitting seventh in our lineup and you could then kick Grisham over to left field well, you probably put Grisham in right and Myers in left either yeah. way. sure either way. yeah I mean, it does it 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 changes. A lot. I Changes know, everything. Yeah, I know. And, you know. And again, I was petrified like, oh, we're going to go trade for Brian Reynolds because we're going to trade Gore and Adam yeah. Abrams, you know, to get it. But yeah, if you got a great, one great player added to the lineup would change a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Well, and I keep coming back to Kiermaier because he's,
2: he's Tampa Bay's highest paid player by a mile. And... Tampa doesn't really like to pay players as much as they're paying him. And it's not like he's the superstar that's going to carry the Rays this year. So he's gotten
0: hurt a lot in his career. I know. I
2: I just, I feel like he's going to get traded at some point this year and he would, he would do a lot to help the Padres.
0: I just feel like there's so many, so many gosh darn question marks. First base. We just assume sucks. Catcher, the guy that we think should be number one, can't stay healthy. You're the guy you were probably the most down on in the whole team, Austin Nola. Cronenworth, we're counting on. Kim, we, what, what? We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, come on. We love him. Manny, we're counting on. Matt Beatty, you know, Grisham, we don't know. Will, we count on to hit 245 with 19 homers and 68 RBI.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks. Almost every other team has the same amount of question marks, though.
0: It's always a great point. It's always a great point to bring up. Like I was, we're living in our house. We see everything wrong in our house. Yeah.
2: Like I know the Rangers are not a good team to compare to, but I was watching the Rangers broadcast of today's game because for some reason I couldn't, I don't know if it wasn't on TV for the Padres or whatever, but I was watching the Rangers broadcast and they were saying like, yeah, you know, a couple days left in spring training. We're still trying to figure out like who's the fifth starter going to be? Who are the last two relievers out of the bullpen? And who's going to be the starting third baseman? And I was like, oh, that sounds like every team. Sounds like every team right now has got like one or two positions. They're like, we don't know who's going to start here yet. They have one or two spots in starting rotation. Go, we don't know who's going to fill these yet. And then unless they have a stud closer, they're like, we're trying to figure out the back half of our bullpen.
0: Look, bottom line for me, we've been burned so hard throughout the Preller era that you just have to accept that I'm going to I'm going to lowball the number. Going True. into this, yeah, season. I mean, a- AJ Preller
2: has not shown a propensity to build teams that outperform expectations. In fact, every single time it's underperformed. Right. So, every single time. Right. And and uh, we'd be wise to put money on the under. Not that we yeah. have money lying around to do so, but we'd be wise to
0: to put money on the under. Yeah. No, I think it'd be a very good thing to do. Um. And for the last time, I hope I'm um, I hope that it's not that. I hope that it all comes together, and I hope that. You know, In June, we're going, ha, 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 look at us. We thought we were going to win 84 games. We're the best record in the league. And even then, we could still win 84 games because everything fell apart at the end. There's a lot of uncertainty caked into this season, and I'm not willing to take a leap of faith yet. Show me. Show me, Padres. Let's go. Last thing, Thursday, season opener. You and I will be, well, you will be right away. Yep. At Bottle Rocket. Yep. That's our spot, that's yep. our hang, and we're inviting all of our patrons right. to come on out for a Padres season opener in Arizona watch party. Uh, first pitch is, what, 645? 640, like 640, 645, something like um, that. So We're inviting
2: everybody. This is going on the public feed. If you listen to Padres Hot Tub and you're wondering where we're going to be for the first game, I know the Padres are doing their fan fest down at Petco Park. We don't care about that. Right. We're going to be at Bottle Rocket, drinking beer, watching the game there, probably eating some food. Uh, very, very casual thing. There's not going to be a setup thing for us. We'll just be there. You probably know what I look like, what Craig looks like. Look for all the Padre fans. We'll be
0: there. We'll be there. I will be there a little bit late because uh, the soccer's first playoff game is at 4.30. Yep. And I will be in Carlsbad for that, and I have to do my work, so I'll probably be leaving Carlsbad at 7. And then uh, sometime next week, if not later this
2: week, uh, we're going to have on a Padres minor leaguer. Yes, who we have adopted. Who we have adopted for the season. Cannot wait for That's that. going to be really, really fun.
0: So stay tuned for that. Thank you for tuning in. I know you're all mad at our predictions. Uh, go ahead and tell us all about it, and we'll talk to you later in the week.